Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hi, besties. Welcome to or welcome back to Try Not to Care. If you're new here, hello. My name is Ashley. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for clicking on this episode and hanging out with me today. So today we have an advice session. I feel like I haven't done one in so long. I used to do one the last Monday of every month. I kind of like the idea of doing one whenever I feel called to and I was just feeling called to this week. I chose questions that I thought would help more than just one person and questions that I thought would have helped me if I was in high school and college still, even questions that I think I kind of need to talk through right now. Maybe I'm struggling with it a little bit. So let's get into today's advice session. Number one, advice on how to handle mood swings. I really like that you say how to handle mood swings rather than stop them because I don't think it's realistic to tell you how to stop having mood swings. They're so automatic. They're so normal. I would say everyone deals with them. There's so many factors that contribute to having mood swings, whether that be changes in your life, new life events, stress, Uh, your hormones, your medication. For me, I experience really intense mood swings when I am dehydrated, when I haven't slept enough, when I'm not eating enough. Like I get so hangry when I don't eat enough. Like my boyfriend can attest to this. I become a raging bitch. I think the best thing for you to do to handle your mood swings is to take care of yourself. Listen to your body and what your body needs because if you're not communicating with your body, if you're not taking care of your body, if you're dismissing your needs, you're going to have those mood swings. It's your body reacting and being like, hey, I'm struggling right now. I need help. I need you to take care of me. So making sure that you are drinking enough water, making sure that you're sleeping enough, making sure that you're eating enough. I've also seen this video on TikTok that says, if you feel like you hate everyone, eat like everyone hates you, sleep, like you hate yourself, shower. If you feel like everyone hates everyone, go outside. I think this is a very 
good way to handle your emotions or your your big emotions and I'm not saying for everyone like if you're severely depressed this isn't going to cure you by any means but these are little things that you can do to manage your emotions and make you feel better for me when I'm hungry I tend to hate everything around me everyone around me like I love my boyfriend but he can be breathing and I'm like please you're breathing too loud I could hear the smallest sound and it irritates me to no end and it goes from 0 to 100 so fast but once I eat I'm totally fine. Now the reason why I think sleeping helps when you feel like everyone hates you is because when we overthink and we think things like everyone hates me, they don't want to date me, they don't want to be my friend, we spiral and our thinking becomes delusional. It's not grounded in truth. And the more you think about it, the worse you feel. When I'm feeling this way and I've reached that conclusion of this person or these people feel this way about me, I just want to act on those emotions. I want to reach out to those people or that person and find an answer, ask them how they actually feel about me, or I'll start a fight. And it's not worth it because it's not true. Just because I think this way doesn't mean they actually feel that way about me. So going to bed and sleeping on it, letting it simmer, giving it a few hours, and then waking up refreshed and deciding if you still feel that way. More times than not, I'll go to sleep, I'll take a nap, wake up and be like, okay, I was overreacting. Things aren't that bad. I was just tired. I was just emotional. I was just this. The way I was thinking had nothing to do with how they actually feel about me. And it was more of how I felt about myself. I think the biggest, most helpful thing that you could do to manage your mood swings is just understanding why you're feeling the way you are. Mood swings feel like they come out of nowhere, but there's a reason for the way you're feeling. Next time you feel a mood swing coming up, or maybe you're in the middle of it, try to take a step back and really think, what is triggering this? How do I feel right now? What is bothering me? Do I need alone time? Do I need food? Do I need sleep? Do I need water? Do I need to move my body? What is it that I need right now that's going to make me feel better? Number two, advice for liking someone who I don't know if they like me back. I really think this depends on your age. When I was in elementary school, middle school, and I liked someone and I didn't know if they liked me back, I would just do the innocent thing of having my friends go figure out they like me. Having my friends go up to someone and being like, hey, what do you think about Ashley? And like kind of feeling the situation out. When I was in elementary school, I had this really great guy best friend. And it was obvious we had a crush on each other, but we were just too afraid to say it. And we agreed on the last day of school that we would write in our yearbooks who we had a crush on. And this poor kid, he wrote in my yearbook just in bold, Ashley, I like you. And I wrote in his yearbook, I don't like anyone right now. I don't have a crush on anyone, but I do think you're really cute. Me in elementary school was still overthinking as much as I am right now. Like I couldn't just tell this kid, hey, I like you. I had to be like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't like anyone. I just maybe like you're cute because I didn't know if he he liked me. I was too afraid to say that I liked him out of fear of him not liking me. And I think that's appropriate for 
that age range. I think that's cute. It's innocent. But let's say that you're older, you're in high school, you're in college, and you don't know if someone likes you back. I say just go for it. Just tell them how you feel. The worst thing that happens is they don't like you back. Now a word from our sponsor, Dipsy. As a lot of you know, I'm currently doing a 30-day glow-up challenge and I've been working on myself a lot. As much as I love working on myself, rest is really important. Relaxing is really important. It's all about balance. And one way that I've been relaxing is Dipsy Stories. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Radically inclusive, Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of stories are voice acted by people of color. My favorite stories to listen to when I'm relaxing are their wellness sessions and sleep stories, but they also have sexy written stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. New content is released every week, so every time I finish a week of my challenge, I always have something new to listen to and reward myself. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your meat time explore your fantasies relax and unwind or even heat things up with a partner for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com tntc that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsea stories.com tntc dipsystories.com tntc thank you dipsy for sponsoring today's episode rejection is really scary but if you actually like this person it's not just a crush you want to pursue something further with them you're serious about how you feel and you want to know if they feel the same way back it's worth exploring it's worth seeing if they feel that same way i think a lot of people fear doing this because they think if that person doesn't feel the same way back the relationship will change the dynamic will change and they won't want to be your friend anymore but the thing is if that happens they're not someone that should be your friend anyway. If someone finds out that you like them and they get so uncomfortable and awkward with the idea of you liking them that they have to step away, that's not your person. That's not your friend. Feelings like that shouldn't get in the way of a genuine friendship. It's one thing if you tell them you like them and they don't like you back and you feel uncomfortable and you decide that you need to take the step back. Like you should be the one in control and be able to make that decision. But I don't think it's fair for someone to just walk away from your connection just because they're not feeling the same romantic feelings that you are. I've had guy friends in the past confess how they feel about me and have said like, oh, I like you more than a friend. And I didn't feel the same way back, but I cared so much about them and our friendship that it wasn't even a question. I wasn't going to end the friendship just because I didn't feel the same spark that they did. And also part of me is like, well, duh, like, of course you like me. Like, I'm pretty, I'm smart, I'm funny. Like, I would be offended if you didn't like me. Um, But I think if you are respecting their boundaries and you've told them how you feel and they said, hey, I don't like you, as long as you're not pushing anything you're not begging for them you're not making them feel uncomfortable there's no reason for them to feel awkward and have to end the friendship also once you find out someone doesn't like you that should be an ick that should be a total turnoff because why are you interested in someone who's not interested in you they clearly do not have good taste 
So why bother obsessing over them and putting them on a pedestal? They're not worth it. Number three, how to get over your crush. I hate to be this person, but you need to stop thinking about them, stop going to bed thinking about them, stop talking about them, stop stalking them, stop romanticizing the idea of you and this person. If you have come to the conclusion that it's not going to work out with this person or they don't like you, you need to move on. And you spending all of your time and energy focusing on them is not moving on. When I was in middle school, when I was in high school, I would go out of my way to see my crush. I would go the longest way in the hallway just to walk by them. I would drive by their street in hopes that the stars would align and our cars would drive by each other and they would see me and they would fall in love with me. I would just do the most in hopes of getting their attention. And the more tactics that I did, the more attached I became to my crush and the idea of them. It almost became a game for me. Like, how can I get this person's attention? And I wouldn't stop until I did. I wouldn't stop obsessing over this person until they liked me back. A lot of the time when you have a crush, you don't actually like the person. You like the idea of them. Crushes, to me, come out of thin air. You don't actually know the person. It's not like you really like them. It's like this cutesy little oh, I I like the idea of them. I think they're really cute. I think they're really funny. I think they could be really good for me. But you don't really know much about them. More times than not, once you actually get to know them or you find out they like you back, you're not interested anymore. You don't even like them. I know for me that I would develop crushes when I was bored and there was nothing interesting going on in my life. Like I hated school. I hated high school in particular. And the only way that I could get through the day is if I had a crush, if I had something to look forward to. The days that I would go to school and my crush wouldn't be there, I'd be like, okay, well, now what am I supposed to do? Like, I could, you know, go and learn, but like, that's not what I'm here to do. Like, I'm here to look cute and play this little game where I try to get my crush to like me. I genuinely think the best thing that you could do to get over someone is just Cut them out completely, block them, mute them, go the opposite way in the hallway so you don't see them. The more you think about them, the more attached you're going to be to either them or the idea of them. If you're bored, find something else to obsess over. Literally think about your ex for all I care. Just don't think about your crush. It's kind of like that saying, the only way to get over someone is to get under someone else. You don't have to necessarily find a new crush, but just do literally anything else focus your attention on literally anything else than that person find something more productive to do with your time instead of crushing over someone that's probably not worth your time or energy find something that's actually going to be beneficial for you find a hobby do some self-care exercise hang out with your girlfriends like your girlfriends are 10 times more interesting and more fun than your crush Number four, how to stop being codependent on people in your life. Codependency, in my opinion, comes from the fear of being alone. You're afraid to do things alone. You're afraid to handle things alone. You don't have enough confidence in yourself that you believe you need other people. 
You don't trust yourself enough to do certain things, so you rely on others. You don't like yourself enough to just hang out with yourself, so you rely on others for their company. There were times in my life where I put my full trust and attention and love and just being into another person. I made that person my life and when they left me, I felt so destroyed, distraught, alone. I didn't know what to do with myself and in no way, shape or form am I saying that my ex was right to treat me the way he did but I think he knew how much I relied on him, how much I needed him, that it was a lot for him to take in it's a lot of pressure to be someone's everything and I think that's part of what pushed him away and the fact that he was just greedy and wanted to date more than one person but um I think that's part of the reason why it didn't work out when he left me I became severely depressed I really didn't think I had any anything to live for and I know that's dramatic But when you rely on others so much and you lose them, it feels like you lose everything. As much as you love other people and you trust other people and you think they're good people, the hard truth is they don't owe you anything. You know, the moral good thing to do is be a good person, be good to the people in your life. But someone could wake up tomorrow and decide they don't want to be your friend. They don't want to be your partner. They could change their whole mind about you. And... You don't want to depend on them so much that without them, you're nothing. You need to make sure that you're okay being on your own because at the end of the day, you are on your own. When you think of every event in your life, you look back at your past, you know, there's different people, there's different places, there's different eras. The only constant thing is yourself. Everyone in your life can leave and the only thing that you have a thousand percent with certainty is yourself. I think the way that I learned to stop being so dependent on others is realizing that everything I was searching for in other people, I can find within myself. I expected all these things from other people and if those people can give that to me, then I am fully capable of giving that to myself too. It's not like they hold something so powerful that I don't have. I think it all comes down to enjoying your time alone and liking yourself. You won't have to depend on others once you realize that with or without those people, you will be okay. Like, of course, it's nice to have a friend. It's nice to have people who support you. I'm not saying that you should isolate yourself, but those people should just be in addition to your life. They shouldn't be your whole life. You should have people you can talk to and go to for advice, but you should be the person making the decision, making the choices that affect your life. You should have people in your life that make you happy, but that happiness shouldn't leave the second that they do. You should have people to do fun things with, but if those people aren't available, you should still be able to go do what you want to do and have a good time. Everything that you're searching for in other people, you can find within yourself. You just need to get to a place of feeling comfortable with yourself. So I think that's the first thing that you need to work on. Just being comfortable in your own company, enjoying your time alone, and even preferring your time alone. Number five, how to face failures. I think deciding that nothing really is a failure is 
the best mindset to have. There's things in life that we want to achieve. We work really hard for them. And when they don't work out, we feel so defeated, distraught, ashamed. And those feelings are valid. You know, those are normal feelings that you feel when you feel let down. But looking at those failures and thinking, there's a reason that this happened. Whether that reason's a learning lesson that's going to help you in the future or it's an obstacle that's going to steer you in the right direction. I had a lot of failed friendships and for the majority of my life, if not my entire life up until like two years ago, I gave myself this identity of I am someone who has failed friendships and it's my fault. There's something wrong with me. I cannot make a connection and keep a connection. I'm a bad person because I can't keep a friendship. And every time that a friendship would fail and I would have a friendship fall out, I would feel really bad about myself rather than bad about the friendship ending. It wasn't until two or three years ago when I went through a really hard friendship breakup that I realized although it sucks that these friendships ended, it's not all bad. There's something positive that came from these endings. These endings are new beginnings. Through these friendship breakups, I learned so much. Without those failed friendships, I wouldn't know what type of friendships I'm looking for. I wouldn't know how I want to be treated in a friendship. I wouldn't know how to treat others moving forward if it wasn't for losing those friends. I wouldn't have the friendships that I have now without those ending. I wouldn't have this podcast without those ending. In no way am I saying that I deserve to be treated the way that I was or that they deserve to be treated the way that they were, but those friendships ending weren't failures. Without those friendships ending, I wouldn't be who I am today. Let's say that you failed a test. Instead of going home and beating yourself up over how badly you did and equating that test score to your worth, think about it this way. You now know how bad you feel when you fail or when you do bad. So what can you do in the future to not be put in that situation again? Could you study more? Could you ask for help? There's always a learning lesson when you fail. Failing is a harsh way of pushing yourself to do better. You either keep failing or you learn from your mistakes and grow. Also understanding that it's okay to fail and failing doesn't make you any less of a person. The smartest people sometimes do poorly on a test. The most loyal people sometimes slip up. You could be super athletic and still not perform as well as you want to. I mean, I think of videos of Taylor Swift on the Eras tour messing up lyrics or messing up a dance. Do you think that she's like, oh my God, I'm a failure. This whole tour is a failure because I messed up and everyone noticed and I'm not as great as people think I am. I'm not living up to everyone's expectations of me. I could be doing better. I'm such a failure. Like, no, I mean, maybe, but she doesn't give up just because she messed up. I'm sure she takes that mistake and learns from it and improves. You're human. You're going to make mistakes. It's all part of the process. Something that I think is interesting is that 
we all have really high expectations for ourselves, even when we have low self-esteem. Like even when you don't really like yourself that much or you're insecure, you still beat yourself up when you fail because you forget that everyone around you is failing too. You think that you need to do so much better than everyone else. You think that you failing or messing up means that you're broken, that there's something wrong with you when that isn't the case at all. Everyone is going through the same process. Something that you failed at today, millions of people are failing at right now. Sometimes I'll be recording this podcast and I stumble over my words and I have to stop and re-record it and I get frustrated and I'm like, why is this so hard? Like, I suck at this. Like other people that podcast probably don't struggle with this. And it's like bullshit. Even the most well-spoken people mess up their words. Failing is so normal. So there's no point in beating yourself up over it because everyone is struggling just the same. They just hide it a little better. Number six, how to stop comparing yourself to 21-year-olds with set routines when you're still young and need to can enjoy life. Unfortunately, I think most people are in a rush to grow up. When you're a kid or a teenager, you don't have that much freedom and you think that freedom is the key to happiness and a good life. It's easy to think that when you're in your 20s, you're going to have your life figured out and everything's going to be so easy So you want to skip a bunch of steps and just fast forward and be there because you're not satisfied with where you are in your life right now. When I was in high school, I definitely tried to skip over a few steps and I tried to be older. I dated older guys. I wanted boobs and I would stuff my bra and I would wear two bras to school. I wanted to be sexualized. I wanted to be intimate. I wanted to drink alcohol and smoke. I wanted to be out all night and I would sneak out and be out till six in the morning with older people. But now as I'm in my 20s, I can't help but reminisce on my teen years and on my childhood and I just miss it so much. And I wish I took advantage of those times in my life because even though they weren't always the happiest, and I struggled a lot, and it was such a small part of my life, I wish I knew what I had before it was gone. I think it's important to recognize that you are the youngest that you're ever going to be right now. It's nice that you're excited to grow up and be in your 20s, but you have time to look forward to that. You could always move forward. You can't go back in time. You're never going to be in your teens again in high school, going to football games, going to prom. You're never going to be able to get your license again. You're never going to be able to have your first kiss again. You have very limited time with your family. I think that's what I miss the most and what I wish I cherished more. Like I miss living with my parents. I miss being woken up by my mom before school and I miss hearing her go to work. I miss waking up on the weekends and my dad making breakfast. You know, I could, in theory, go and live with them now, but it's not the same. Those things are irreplaceable. You could replicate what a 20-year-old is doing. You cannot replicate what you had as a teen. You can't replicate what you had in your childhood. 
that is so valuable. So if you have that right now, be present. Really take in the moments that you have as a teen or even if you're in college. I also think this is one way that social media can be really harmful because you might see these older adults online posting their get ready with me's going out and partying and you're like god I wish I had that like I wish my life was like that and you think the grass is greener on the other side but what you don't see is after these girls are getting ready they are going out and fighting with their friends they're having an awful time I could post a video getting ready and say that I'm going out and then take my makeup off and go lay in bed once I'm done with the video You only see a small glimpse into other people's lives. And as great as they may seem, I promise you, living your life and focusing on your life is the best thing that you can possibly do. You're never going to be happy or satisfied with your life by trying to replicate someone else's. The key to a happy life is just being present and being grateful for what you have. So don't focus too much on, well, anyone's lives, but if you're really focusing on older people, don't stress too much about it. You're going to get there, but you can't go back. Okay, I'm going to try to get through these two last questions because my laptop's about to die. How to deal with social anxiety when hanging out with new people. This is something that I have struggled with and I'm actually still struggling with, but I've come to realize that the thought of hanging out with new people is scarier than actually doing it. Like before I go and hang out with new people, I'm always so afraid that I'm not going to live up to their expectations of me. I'm afraid that they have this expectation that I'm going to be funnier than I am, prettier than I am, um, more interesting than I am. And once they finally meet me, they're going to be let down and not want to hang out with me, not want to be my friend. But the thing is, if that does happen, it happens. Like the worst thing that happens is that they decide they don't want to hang out with me again and we don't. But also, why would I want to be friends with someone who has such high expectations of me? Why do you want me to be prettier or funnier or smarter or more interesting? Why am I not enough as I am? Why would I want to be friends with someone Who expects all of that from me? I don't expect that from them. Worst case scenario, we never hang out again. And you know what? That's fine by me. The reason I say it's scarier thinking about hanging out with someone new than actually doing it is because once you're there, you just got to get through it. You kind of adapt to it. You laugh at their shitty jokes. You talk. You have a good time. Or you don't. You have the worst time and you leave. Also, everyone is more concerned with how they're appearing than how you're appearing. Sure, there might be people who are judging you, but more times than not, especially if they're meeting you for the first time, they're just as much in their head as you are in yours. They want you to like them as much as you want them to like you. I think if you're meeting someone for the first time, you should go and do something more interactive. Like I get so much anxiety about going out to dinner with someone on a first date or the first time meeting someone because it's very intimate. I don't want to have to like stare at you across the table and feel like I'm being interviewed. It makes it much less awkward and just more comfortable going and doing something like bowling, roller skating, 
laser tag like think things that you used to do as a kid like when you were a kid you weren't sitting down and talking through your deep emotions and traumas and everything at the park and maybe you were but you were just playing you were having fun that's what hanging out for the first time should be having fun or even just going to a bar where there's a lot of people there's music it feels much less intimidating and also if the person sucks or you hate it or you want to go home you could just blame the alcohol be like oh god I drank too much I gotta go or I'm not feeling good or oh I just you know this bar isn't it for me I'm gonna go home and go to bed see ya if you're uncomfortable leave when in doubt leave okay last question advice on not having to send a long paragraph to a guy who cheated I keep insisting on receiving a sorry I chose this question because I was absolutely this girly. I was absolutely the one to send my ex or my friends long paragraphs about how I felt and how they hurt me. And I did this as a way to kind of control the narrative, to try to get an apology out of them, an explanation, clarity, and every time it just wouldn't work and I would feel worse. I hate to be this person and I don't want to come off as cold or insensitive, but the long paragraph to anyone just isn't worth it. It's not worth your time or your energy because most times guys, well, anyone, but especially guys, don't even read it. Or if they do read it, they respond to one singular line and the most insignificant line like I know some of you have gone through this before you write this whole elaborate paragraph you put your heart and soul into it it's soul crushing and you're expecting some type of response some type of clarity and your ex responds to one thing you said and it's one thing that it doesn't even matter you don't even care about that one thing they missed the entire point of the message it's like talk to a walk it's like do you resend it Do you say hello? Did you not read anything else? That's all you have to say. And you waste even more energy trying to get the response that you want, but they're not going to give it to you because they don't care. If you're writing this long message about how you feel for someone or you're trying to get clarity or get an apology, just save the time and don't do it because if someone actually cares about you and is remorseful for how they treated you or for how things went about they're going to come to that conclusion on their own they're going to apologize on their own you asking for that apology or you telling them how you feel about them or how you feel about the situation isn't going to get them to apologize to you even if they do it's not going to be the apology you're looking for because it's going to be forced and it's not going to be sincere An apology only means something when it's sincere. If you have to beg for it, if you have to ask multiple times if someone realized the severity of their actions or how things came about, they probably do not care. They're probably not sorry. And the only reason they will say they're sorry is to get you to stop texting them. When we're going through a friendship breakup or relationship breakup, when something happens that really hurts us we search for clarity to try to understand why things happened the way they did but someone not apologizing to you or someone cutting contact with you is the clarity that you need 
it's like that saying that no message is a message. If someone isn't going out of their way to make it known that they care about you or they love you or they messed up and they're sorry, they probably don't and they probably aren't sorry. You shouldn't have to tell someone multiple times how to love you, how to treat you, or how to respect you. Them not doing that or not showing it for you is telling you or they're trying to tell you they don't feel the way that you want them to feel about you. When was the last time that someone had to tell you how to love them? When was the last time someone had to ask you to respect them? I'm going to go ahead and say probably never because when you love someone, you just show them that love because you want to, because you care about them. When you respect them, it's not even a second thought. You just do it. If someone is showing you the opposite time and time again, They're trying to show you, this is how I feel about you. I don't love you. I don't respect you. Not enough to give you what you deserve. So with that being said, put your phone down, stop writing that long paragraph, that long message, and take this as a sign that you don't need a sorry to move on. The lack of a sorry is the reason you need to move on. That is where I'm going to end today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it, besties. I missed sitting down and just answering your questions. I always feel more connected to you after I do these episodes. So if you have any questions for me, leave them on the Spotify Q&A or you can respond to them in the Try Not to Care community form that I'll have in the show notes. If you like today's episode, if you love trying to care, if you love me, make sure to give me a five-star review on whichever platform you listen to it on. It really helps me out and I appreciate it so, so much. If you want to follow my socials and keep up with me on there and keep up with me on my 30-day glow-up challenge, they will be linked in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening, besties. I love you so much and I will talk to you next Monday. Bye, besties.